1: It is Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Producer Dan is along for the ride as well. A belated happy holiday season to you and your family. Did you have fun?
2: I've had a blast uh, with Christmas. You know, you like Christmas as a child, and then you grow up a little bit, and Christmas like gets whatever. And then you have children, and Christmas becomes mm. fun again. So... Uh, i played the role of santa and man it's so much fun i didn't dress up or anything but you know oh have you ever dressed up as santa no i don't have the build of santa you're more of the santa build i am no offense i'm
1: right in the wheelhouse of santa dude (laughs) i'm like i'm like if they call me in for an audition they, they don't even have to hear me say ho 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 they're like hey fat ass you're hired
2: can i tell you something about santa so the day before, or two days before Christmas, I think it was, we were out at um, a deli having lunch with our family, and there's a guy, and he's got a big white beard, white hair, and Olivia goes, "That's that guy's got to be a Santa for Christmas." And I looked at him, mm-hmm. I was like, "No, no doubt, right?" The next day, we had like Santa come to our neighborhood for like a community thing. It was that guy. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like Santa. I saw you at Lovey's Deli. What's up, bro? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should have offered to buy Santa's uh, his lunch.
2: Well, I didn't know at the time he was our Santa. Oh, man. come on. You knew <laughs> you
1: knew. All right. Let's get it going uh, with a little baseball talk. And I guess it is the gift that keeps on giving the story of Carlos Correa. Now, apparently, the New York Mets have a problem with his physical. So we've waited several days since the announcement by Stevie Cohen that he is the missing piece of this lineup and he still hasn't been signed. So do you think Correa is eventually in New York with the Mets or is this health issue a bigger concern for you?
2: I'm not really sure. I, I think he eventually ends up in New York. Um, I mean, it's something with his right ankle that he's had surgically repaired before. And, you know, like, it sounds like there's a problem there, but it doesn't sound like it's a big enough problem to get away from this deal. Now Correa has come out and said him and his camp have said like we don't want to come off this deal that we've already brokered. Like we're not taking a discount. You're not going to play one of these things where you say you don't like my physical and it scares me and you take a year off or you know 30 40 million off. That's not going to happen. I don't think Boris does that. So um I think as the time passes we'll get a deal done. I just I'm curious if they try to like restructure it not in we're going to take money away, but maybe something along the lines of let's give the club a little bit of protection. If something does happen down, down the line, it sounds like that's what's going to happen. Of course, there are a few mystery teams that have called Scott Boris Mm -hmm. to say, we're here. If you need us, that's the leverage that, you know, they're trying to keep. Uh, But to answer your original question, I believe he ends up there in the long run. Do you think that
1: Carlos Correa's camp has to give a little bit here? Because this is not, I mean, this is the second time in a week now a major league team has said, yeah, there, there's an issue here.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, and I think we've talked about this before, if he does end up, if the Mets pull out, and then, it, then that takes some leverage away from Boris and, and Correa because it's two teams, big leverage is gone, and I think he'll have to accept something of a, of a lesser deal. So I think that's kind of why they're pretty adamant about staying in New York and saying, hey, we, we, we want the deal the same. Um, so I'm thinking maybe, and on MLB Trade Rumors, they wrote about how J.D. Martinez had to do this with uh, the Red Sox, where you know there was a provision in his deal saying if he had a significant injury that they could opt out of the last two years or something like that. It didn't end mm-hmm. up happening and everything was fine. I'd assume something like that is going to be thrown in here. Yeah, but
1: that that ended up, if I remember correctly, being a five-year deal for Martinez. Yes. We're talking about one that's more than double. Yes. So there's going to have to be some sort of compromise I think on both sides, I don't think the Mets want to walk away from this one at all, particularly after their owner basically said, yeah, this is this is our missing piece here. And and it's interesting because Major League Baseball came out and said, hey, stop talking about deals until they're signed. As usual, Major League Baseball is a full lap behind anything that actually happens in their sport. So, you know, they should have said this at the beginning and reminded everybody, hey, make sure like reports are going to get out but don't have your club personnel, particularly the owner, come out the and owner. sing the praises of a signing until dude is sitting
2: next to you. I mean, do you think Steve Cohen listens to stuff like that? Someone telling him, like, no, don't do no, this. No, but at the very least, you have to say it. Sure. Yeah, no, I. Know. It, it was a mistake by him to do that because that also created a little bit of leverage for Correa and his camp. But again, I, I think a deal gets done. I think we'll just add that clause in.
1: All right, so the other side of this coin this is the way the Giants and the, their fans can now look at this? Um, does another team having an issue with Correa's medicals take San Francisco off the hook or not?
2: I think so. I think it. I think it does. And I have to apologize to the Giants front office because I gave them a "What is you doing, baby?" I said this is the biggest "What is you doing, baby?" of the off season. and maybe mm. it wasn't warranted. Maybe I have to give myself a "What is you doing, baby?" because I came at them pretty hard, and now we're <clears throat> we're seeing this deal with the Mets, and they're having some trepidation about it. So. I think it definitely helps out that front office. And they are saying like, see, like we avoided maybe uh, a ticking time bomb with this contract. Uh, And Giants fans can tell themselves the same thing. Although I do feel like if he ends up signing the deal with the Mets and has a good first year, then maybe we go back to being like, see guys, it wasn't that big of a deal. So this whole thing's up in the air. Chris, we don't even know how this thing's gonna play out, dude. It's it it has been the gift that's kept on giving because there's so many storylines. We've been able to do like three or four shows just talking about right. Carlos Correa and this and this contract or or non contract, if you will.
1: I don't think it takes them entirely off the hook because I think there's two two pieces of the puzzle to this narrative. Okay, one is that they announced that they had signed or were going to have an introductory news conference for a guy they just inked for three fifty over thirteen yes. years. And then he leaves. Okay, and I think at the time I didn't call him stupid or anything else. I think I called them confused. And I still think that their pattern of offseason signings is a bit confusing. They've all been two or there's been one three year deal. I think that was handed out to Mitch Haniger, but the rest mm-hmm. of the guys: Stripling, uh, Mania, Conforto. Oh, Rogers got a three year deal as well. So nothing yes. more than that. But they're all like good, solid veteran ball players, right? Solid. I don't know. How, I don't want to speak for you, but it doesn't feel like this team goes from 81 wins to 92 and all of a sudden becomes a wild card contender. I think they're going to be improved. Um, I think they're going to do some better things. But to me, the whole point is that this is a franchise that over the last several years has not been able to reel in that big fish, that one big fish that is saying, that's the centerpiece. And if we want to bring in other guys, they can say, hey, yeah, they signed Carlos Correa. Like, if they're going to make a big play for Shohei, are the likes of Haniger, Stripling, Conforto, Rogers, Manaya enough to say, yeah, I'm coming there, and I believe in this system? Once again, that's nothing against those ballplayers. I think they're all really, really good ballplayers. I think, however, they're the type that you add to a team that already has one major cog
2: in the wheel. Sure, I mean, I agree with that, that you need something else, especially if you're trying to go after a Shohei. But just two years ago, we were praising this – organization for being able to develop and then also take kind of reclamation projects and figure out what to do with them. And they won 107 games. So we were like, Hey, they got something, something's different over there. And then all of a sudden last year, they go and they're a 500 team. And we say, Oh, that was just a blip on the radar. That wasn't for real. It could still be for real. It could be how they want to operate their franchise until they can land that big fish. Uh, So I'm not going to like completely write the giants up. I like the signings that they've had. I agree with you. They're missing that one big signing to get them over the hump. Uh, but this is a team that can that definitely can surprise us. They've done it recently, and they could do it again.
1: So, do we? What do we give them for their off season so far? They've been as active as anybody.
2: Do we well, the, say the, it's the, like a B? Maybe the, the Aaron Judge thing is not their fault, and I think that gets like like lumped into like, oh, they screwed up the judge thing. It's like, no, they didn't yeah, screw that true. up. Like John Heyman put that out and, and Judge seemingly was never going to leave New York. He was just using, trying to create leverage. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that the entire time Aaron Judge was wanting to go back to New York. So I can't count that as a fault for them. The Correa thing, it's it's like we said, it's still out there on the table. We don't know if it's a good or bad thing that they did mm-hmm. or did not sign him. So take away the Correa thing. let's just said it never happened and the signings that they've made, I don't I mean, i B minus, I think. I don't think it's been great for them. They've put, they've added some quality ball players, but in that division, we know who's ahead of them and the rosters they have with the Dodgers and the Padres. You know, they didn't, they didn't climb up to that tier. like Not even close.
1: No, because the Padres last year didn't even have their best player and they still made it within three wins of a world series. And the Dodgers won 111 games with all sorts of injury issues. Yes, so... It just feels like they're they're trying to leg it out for third. And maybe that's enough to get them into the play. I mean, there were three teams that made the playoffs from the NL East. So maybe they're saying all it takes is for us to get in. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Big trade. And that's why I'm wearing a Toronto Blue Jays hat today. Eh? Jays get okay. Dalton Varsho for Lourdes Guriel and catching prospect Gabriel Montero. I know last week a lot of people are going to say, didn't you have him on the Mets list? Yes. Yeah,
0: we, we screwed that up. up.
1: Just yeah. like I screwed up the Mattingly thing. It happens. When you're going to have this many shows a year, just raise your hand when you screw up. Go ahead, two like,
2: top-catching prospects. I'm sorry. East Coast. We screwed it up. We screwed it it's up. Okay.
1: It's okay. So we we appreciate everybody pointing that out. Thank you. <laughs> now the question is, how much sense does this make for the Jays who are in win-now mode?
2: This is one of those trades, Chris, that just makes complete sense for both parties. This is how trades are supposed to work. I mean, if you're the Blue Jays, you are in win-now mode. You had a surplus at your catching position, so you deal from that. And you've been saying, well, we need to get more balance. Let's bring in a left-handed bat. So you go and get a left-handed bat. And I think it's great for them. And hand up if you didn't know how good Dalton Varsho was defensively in the outfield. Definitely not. I looked at the numbers today. I'm like, what? Like, Quite literally the best defensive outfielder when you're looking at the numbers last year, and they're going to get that. And as you're kind of looking at these moves, the Blue Jays have had, we know what they can do. They can score runs, right? So now they're focused on let's, let's stop some runs from being scored. You bring in Kiermaier, who's, you know, a great defensive outfielder. And now Dalton, who is also a great defensive outfielder. And now you have that run prevention aspect of your team and then for the diamondbacks i mean look you get one of the best prospects in all the baseball you kind of need a catcher that can do that and you also bring in lords girl jr you know it's a short time i think he he has one year this is his walk year uh, before free agency i think but like
1: i think he has two years to be honest with you i tried to look okay. at it and i thought he wasn't a free agent until after 2024 but i could be wrong
2: yeah, I mean, I just it makes a lot of sense for both parties. Like I said, if you're the Blue Jays and you are in win-now mode, you deal from the position of depth. And they did that. Yeah. And you get someone that can help you now. And I, I think, like I said, this is one of those rare instances where I think the trade is is great for both parties. And it, for the Dimebacks, it could end up being spectacular. If Gabriel Moreno is the guy that everyone thinks he is, then it's going to end up being mm-hmm. a very, very good trade for them.
1: Yeah, Dalton Varsho better – Better be really good. Now, the nice thing for the Jays is he's got four more years of control yes, as lot. well. So that's that's going to help them a lot because they're going to have to start signing guys soon, right? I mean, if they have any hopes of hanging on to Vlad and Bichette, we know they poured a ton of money into that pitching staff, but it's time they start taking care of some of their young position players. So maybe that'll give them a little more financial flexibility. Plus, from the Diamondback standpoint, you're talking about the Jays giving up from a position of strength with their catching. Uh, where obviously they had Kirk and Jansen. Um, there there were a ton of left-handed hitting outfielders mm-hmm. out there in Arizona. Carroll, who just came up and kind yep. of started to wow us. Alec Thomas, who is a speedster. Uh, and then McCarthy as well. So yep. there are three guys that they can rely on. And now you throw Griel from the right side of things. That should help them. The thing with Barjo, yep. uh, Hit almost 30 homers a year ago. And something the Jays did not have, as good as their lineup was, was a consistent left-handed stick at all. And bringing Kevin Kiermeyer in is, you bring him in because he's a multi-time gold glover, not because he gives you balance from the left side. He just happens to hit from the left side. So Varsha will give that. I think if I read the stats correctly, they didn't have a pure left-handed hitter. I'm talking about the Jays a season ago, who had an OPS over 700 last year. Not one. That's alarming. So this is going to help a lot.
2: Yeah. Again, I'll just keep reiterating. I think this is going to work out um, for, for, for both sides. It's a great trade.
1: It's fun. And that's why I told you at the beginning of the off season that I'm a bigger fan of trades than I am a free agency, because really that only has to deal with one team getting a new prize here. It's two. So you yes. can follow the storyline, not just for this year, but for years to come. That's what makes it enjoyable. All right, uh, Philadelphia Phillies added a uh, borderline Hall of Fame piece to their bullpen, although he hasn't pitched much like that in recent years. Craig Kimbrell, one year for $10 million. Does that do anything for you?
2: Uh, I mean, it does. It does because they've lost some people in that bullpen since their World Series run a year ago. I mean, you're losing Eflin, who kind of was – a guy they use in the playoffs, uh, David Robertson's gone. So you need to replace these guys. And so far they brought in Strom, they brought in, and now Kimbrell. And they still have some pieces there with Sir Anthony and and, uh, Alvarado, the lefty. So they're continuing to try to build this bullpen. And like that's kind of my favorite, not my favorite part, but one of my favorite parts of roster construction is the bullpen. Because you can go so many different ways with it. You can play matchup-based bullpen. You can go power arms. You can go ground ball guys. You can go swing and miss guys. Like you just you're trying to piece it together, and it's never fully pieced together. There's not one team that has like these are our guys, and they're going to be our guys the entire season. That's just not how bullpens work. Guys get hot. Guys get hurt. Guys get cold. All that stuff. It's it's kind of like in a state of flux all the time. And so I don't think this is like where the Phillies bullpen is going to be, even on opening day or, and definitely not, mm-hmm. you know, in July or something like that, but it's a good piece. And I, you know, Kimberly yeah, he hasn't been, you know, the hall of fame type closer or reliever, like he has been early in his career, but you know, there's some things still in there and these teams love Are to there? get their hands on. Well, they love to get their hands on guys like this and try to figure it out. And for what was it? One year, 10 million. I mean, you're going to take that chance.
1: Okay. First of all, the guy had a horrendous year for the most part last year. Did not even make the postseason roster in L.A. And this is, listen, I'm a huge Craig Kimbrell fan. I love the whole, you know, looking whatever the hell this is, where he's bending over and doing all that stuff, and then everybody in the crowd does it. Like, I love that. And I think he has been tremendous. The first nine years of his career or so, he was just freaking awesome to watch. Awesome. Good dude. But right now, I can't believe he got $10 million off of that season that shows you where the game is that's good I'm always for players getting as much money as they can when he signed for 10 million dollars I was like what the fuck are you kidding me seriously 10 million dollars off of that year
2: it wasn't as bad as you know maybe the last couple years I mean last year he was 112 ERA plus the previous years he was below 100 so I mean that's Maybe he's trending in the right direction, but again, like these teams, okay. just will, these teams will just say, "We think we can fix him. We think we can bring him back." And, I know they and Is he going to be I know. electric and and lights out? Probably not, but maybe flashes of it.
1: I I hope so for him, and I hope so for Philly fan here. He's basically had one good half a season since 2018, and that was the first half of the year of 2021 when he was on the north side of Chicago. He got traded to the south side. And that's where Liam Hendricks was the closer. And so they used him as a setup man, and he was not good there. And then he came out to L.A., and I think he had something like 22 saves. But, you know, he got removed in August or whatever it was and didn't make the postseason roster. I just don't – he had his lowest strikeout rate of his career last year. I, it just doesn't feel like it's trending the right direction. And usually if you pay a guy $10 million a year, you once expect something out of him. What did Dave Roberts <laughs> signed for? Dave Robertson signed for, yeah, two years, didn't he? I think he got one up there with the Mets, and it was right well, around look, that number.
2: Again, just like this, the bullpens are always in a state of flux. Like relievers go up and down with their years, and you see this all the time throughout in the big leagues. Like, oh, this guy kind of having a great year, kind of out of nowhere. Like these things do happen in that role specifically because you can you can manipulate your pitch mix, you know from year to year or, or find a new pitch. We talk about this, Chris, these guys. Now they get in front of the electronic cameras and they can change their grips and do all of that. I think that's what they're banking Now we got this guy. There's something in there. Let's, let's tinker a little bit. And if we can get, you know, a good back end of the year out of him, that's, that's worth mm-hmm. way more than $10 million. Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I, they're I just, banking that's on fair. That. I want to make this clear. I'm rooting for the guy. I want to see it. But if you don't have questions about it, then you haven't been paying attention. Sure. I think I agree. All right. Last thing. Um, I always love it when guys post their offseason <laughs> workouts. I find them fascinating. I had never seen the one that Adley Rutschman did where he's got a weight and he's doing some abdominal work on an ice covered road. Are we buying in?
2: No, no, we're not buying. I don't in. think so. I'm either. buying out. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I mean, look. The only one that I like posting like workout videos is uh, Jake Story Alley. And who's the one dude that used to play for the Steelers? The crazy. Big oh, James d- Harrison. Yeah. Those are the only people I want to see in the gym. Cause Jake, we need to hold him accountable people. He's getting married soon. He needs to look good. And James Harrison's just fun to watch. This stuff to me is silly. Like. I think this was a joke, like haha, let's put this out there. Because if you're serious it putting it out there, yeah, if you're serious, put it out there like eh, I yeah. don't know about that look. And maybe I know he's rookie of the year and he's a big shot with the Orioles, but like this is something that most of the time if he comes into spring training, they'll probably have pictures of this and put them all over the wall. Maybe like a running loop yeah. of a video, be like, What are you doing, young kid?
1: Yeah. Dude, the, you doing, baby? the shirtless the shirtless shtick got me though.
2: Hey, you know what though? He looks good. It's like thick, but good thick. You know what I mean?
1: It was funny. It was definitely funny. It I mean, this is something that you, you can all...
2: recreate that.
1: There's kids gonna... all over the Midwest right now and the East Coast where it's just been dumping snow and ice <laughs> and they're all out there shirtless trying to look like the AL rookie of the year. That's it's great. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, Rick, he looks but... good. The number of guys, by the way, in the NFL this past weekend who went out shirtless before their games, like what? I know you're tough. You don't have to go out there shirtless. Like, you play pro football. I know you are tough. Stop doing that. We don't need to see nipples that cut glass, okay?
2: Chris Rose, you're on record on this show of saying if you were roped up like these guys were, you'd never wear a shirt. So don't be, But I, But I make sure it's
1: at least 50 degrees
2: outside. No, no. You said never wear a shirt. These guys are showing it off, man. I don't hate on anybody that looks that good. Can't.
1: I'm not hating. I'm just wondering, what, like,
2: you're going to catch a cold. <laughs> oh, sure. Not. It's funny because they have their shirts off and they're trying to act like it's not cold, but they got those hands stuffed in the warmer so tight, yeah. dude. They're like, damn, it's cold. This is stupid. <laughs> it sounded like a good idea, but this feels really
1: fucking cold now. Hey, uh, so a few things programming wise. We, we will be back on Thursday for our last show of 2022. Uh, and then we've got a, the latest Rose Rotation is out with Trevor May. So you can catch that um, later today, interviewing Vinny Pescatino from the Kansas city Royals. Good personality, mm-hmm. funny dude, looking forward to it. And uh, also CJ Uzama um, shooting that today and probably coming out either tomorrow or Thursday, depending on how producer Rob can turn that around so quickly. So we'll see what he has to say about the J E T S is they're trying to make a playoff push, even though the ship has been sinking. So <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it. You want to do this again Thursday?
2: That'll do, pig. That'll do. Yes, I do. Okay, oh, good.
1: Ah, <laughs> I loved that book. I loved that book when I was a kid, back in the 70s. All right, for Trevor Plouffe, our one-of-a-kind producer, producer Dan, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Thursday here on Baseball Today.